It's been an incredible journey that you've had, but were there any other options? Or was it purely motorsport in your head? Or did you think, I could be an astronaut, I could be a postman? Like, was there anything else that interested you out there? I believe I have enough uh, driving skills to be a postman, so I could... Very quick one. I could do this job as well, but uh, of course I really targeted to be a professional driver. My grandfather who taught me to drive, he was taking me to most of my sort of uh, motorbike trials competitions when I was a youngster. And he's always asking, he knows more behind the scenes stuff than I do. And I'm there, he'll send me a text midweek saying, oh, have you just seen who's moved where and who's been testing where and that someone's been driving on a cart track and they're like, oh, what? So he's a total fan then. Yeah, yeah, total fanboy. Welcome everyone to WRC Backstories, our exclusive WRC podcast presented by Bex Williams. Welcome back, everyone, to WRC Backstories, the official podcast of the World Rally Championship. If you're new around here, then we're up to episode nine now in our bid to discover more about the characters and the unique stories behind the people who make up the championship. Our backstory archives include current world champion Oitanak, M Sport legend Malcolm Wilson, and Toyota technical director Tom Fowler, to name but a few. There's plenty there. Go in and have a look and have a listen. As it's Hyundai week on WRC.com, we've decided to head there for our next backstory and to someone who is used to talking a lot during a WRC event. His passion for the sport began at a very early age and his drive and determination have taken him right to the top level. It's time to jump in the co-driver's seat with Nicola Schilsall. But before we hear from Nico, remember that you can get in touch with us on social media to suggest our next guests, give any feedback on our podcasts, or just say hello. Just use the hashtag WRCLive. We would love to hear from you. And now let's hear from Nico. We've been catching up with many drivers, co-drivers, engineers, even team managers during our series of WRC Backstories podcast. It's been great to get to know everyone, but we've only done one co-driver so far and we thought it was definitely time we found another one. And we found the perfect candidate who has a really great backstory, really interesting where he started from and how he got into the sport. And that is Nicola Schilsall, who's co-driver to Thierry Newville, of course. And he joins me now on the line. Good morning to you, Nico. It is good to see your face. I have to say it's been a long time since we've seen each other, since Rally Mexico. How are you doing? Yeah, it's true. It's a long time now. Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you. I hope you too. Yeah, I'm doing okay, actually, yeah. I'm starved, I think, like everyone is, of, of rally action right now, but looking forward to getting back to it very shortly. How have you been dealing with lockdown, the coronavirus? How's the family? Is everyone okay? Yeah, yeah, everyone is okay around me. Uh, like I said many times now to, to journalists and media, uh, we've been quite lucky living in the countryside. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's more quiet. Uh, uh, we have more space uh, to move already. We have a garden. We have some forest to, to go for work or to do bicycle or just to to breathe in the garden compared to many people 
ou est locked down in an apartment in town yeah. uh, must be depressive <laughs> yeah i uh, i can so, i can imagine so yeah we have been quite lucky uh, about this yeah and that that's a good thing um that you know you've been out in the wide open spaces and you've been safe first and foremost that's the most yeah. important thing out of all of it so we've been trying to get to know everyone in the WRC and their stories behind you know how they became drivers co-drivers engineers mm -hmm. whatever role they may have and i know you have a pretty interesting one but before we start talking about it i want you to describe yourself in three words if you were to pick three words to describe your character what you're like as a person how would you describe yourself um uh, maybe uh discreet mm -hmm. uh, committed uh and enthusiastic yeah, definitely. You are enthusiastic. There's no bigger smile in the service park than yours when the, when the rally is on, that is for sure. Nico, I remember talking to you a few years ago about, you know, your story and your history. And mm -hmm. it starts even before you were born, really, with your parents meeting. And it, it sounds like a Hollywood movie, <laughs> really. Yeah. T tell me about that. Yeah, it's quite funny because uh, I think it, it's in uh, 76, uh, Sting Blogvist uh, came to take part to the Boucle de Spa, Rally Boucle de Spa. Um, and then uh, he was already quite famous. Uh, at that time, he was driving a, a Saab and, and that year um, there were a lot of snow. And uh, for sure, his skill was definitely uh, higher than all the all the locals and they were using specific tires uh, with specific studs very efficient coming from the from scandinavia uh, and and my dad uh, decided to to come to spectate uh, actually the rally with friends and and met my mom uh, in uh, in a field uh, next to the it's called uh, buvette it's like a small pub uh, mm -hmm. like you fit uh, only for for the rally uh, in a spot and uh, he met my mom uh, there on the rally so it was yeah quite quite funny uh, five years ago when i took part to east african safari classic and stick was uh, uh, driving the rally with stefan prevo mm -hmm. and uh, he won the rally we finished third with gregoire de Mevius. And uh, at the end of the rally, uh, I took a few drinks with, with him and uh, <laughs> I explained to him that uh, he's responsible uh, of my venue. <laughs> and uh, he, was, he was very shy. <laughs> it was really, really funny. Like uh, closing a loop, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Closing the circle right from the start. I mean, that's, that's such a great story that Stig Blomquist kind of played a part in your career. What did, you said he was shy. What did he say? Did he say anything, Nico? No, not really. He was just smiling. Uh, I think he was already tired and maybe a bit drunk as well. So all in all, uh, he was just uh, red, uh, red in the face and uh, happy with that story. And, 
So, you know, you come from a background where rally was loved, motorsport was loved, but it was your dad who had the real passion. Obviously, your mum did as well if she was out spectating. Tell me about your dad. Yeah, in fact, my dad uh, always been involved in a, in a local, regional uh, motorsport association. Uh, you need to go by that kind of association to get your racing license even at a level so he, he never he never the, the steering wheels i mean uh, by himself but he always been involved to organize uh, races uh, being uh, marshals or helping others um, and then uh, was always when uh, when I was a child, so I was always in in that yeah that circle. I mean, yeah. uh, and uh, for sure uh, it bring me the passion, uh, and I was sure that I was uh, yeah I wanted to be seated in a in a rally car for sure, uh, <laughs> but quite quite early I realized that uh, you need some skill, you need also some money. And then at, at that time, I, I was discovering uh, road books, uh, maps, and uh, yeah, I, I started to be passionate by uh, reading uh, maps, uh, road books, like I told you. And uh, yeah, I, I start to, to improve and step by step, uh, I realized that uh, it was uh, yeah, a good opportunity for me to, to go in the, in the right. Uh, yeah, in the right seat um, because the skill was there or was coming and I was enjoying as well. Uh, it was also cool because uh, I was always with older people. So it means that they were already experienced. So yeah. they were able to help me. And then I realized that it was really good for me when, when you are still a teenager and you have the, the opportunity to drive with uh, uh, a guy who was 40 years old and 20 of experience, it helped a lot. So, and it was yeah, more interesting and for me, uh, and we were more successful as well. So, yeah. You mentioned your, your dad was, was so involved in motorsport, but he didn't actually compete. He didn't co-drive, he didn't drive. No, no, was, no, no. was that surprising to you? Were you surprised that he didn't? He didn't really want to do that. He just wanted to, to help, yeah, really. This is something uh, I need to investigate even more because I, I never got a proper reply from him. But I, it's difficult for me to understand uh, at a regional level uh, when you are the chairman of a rally, even if it's a small rally, to take all that responsibility on your shoulder if an, an incident happens or mm. something like that. Just just for for the crew to have fun you know because uh, the it's it's benevolent so you don't get any money it's just for for patient just to yeah for for fun for yeah. for your own patient but it's difficult for me to understand because me i need to i i need to get the the adrenaline when i'm seated in the car it's it's what i'm looking for Mm. And it's what I'm missing now, actually. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can well imagine you're missing that feeling. You talked about, you know, having the passion early on and knowing that you wanted to, to be a co-driver. 
when you were in school and, and doing your schoolwork, were your parents supportive of the fact that you wanted to go into motorsport? Or did they say to you, no, Nico, you must work in school. You must be an accountant or, actually, or something. Actually, at that time, it was quite simple because uh, I started to do uh, road rally quite early uh, when I was 14. So road rally is it's on the Friday evening. Uh, everybody, there is like a meeting point in a pub. And then uh, it, it was illegal, honestly, uh, but it was the only rally I was able to do at that time. Mm -hmm. And it was not speed rally. The idea is to, to follow a road book and to, to find the exact, uh, yeah, the exact way. And you have passage control here and there. And uh, when you follow exactly the road, uh, you win at the end. Uh, it was the target. And uh, uh, if, uh, I mean, to be allowed to take part to this kind of rally, uh, from my parents, uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it was needed for me to get the level at school. Uh, mm. So it was like a, a deal, you know. So I was I was respecting the deal to be able to to take part to to the races, and it's been always like that at that time. And also, honestly, at that time. Uh, I never really expect uh, to become a professional co-driver. Mm. It was a, a proper hobby, uh, even if I was already uh, a lot committed, but it's been always a, a hobby at that time. And how were you in school? Were you, were you a good student? Were there any subjects that you weren't so good at maybe? I'm trying to get a picture of the young Nico here. Uh, it's funny because I was uh, cleaning a little bit my my office uh, at home and uh, I found back uh, like the, um, I don't know the word in English. Oh, a like report, report. The, yeah. The report. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was a bit shocked at the, <laughs> about some some comments, uh, not, not so proud, uh, proud of some, but not all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, what, uh, what kind of comments, Nico? Come on, you have to share these comments with us. Uh, no, <laughs> I think I didn't proper. I didn't properly realize at that time, but in my mind, I was already uh, really committed and uh, dreaming about uh, rally and taking part to some events. And then, uh, I mean, the balance we defined with my parents, I was probably. Uh, slightly more on the rally than than at school so yeah but it's also difficult honestly when yeah when you need to do something you don't i mean really like because uh, you are simply not interested in uh, mm. it's it's also difficult and i knew i was not really uh, uh defined to to follow too much rules and uh uh, yeah, to to do a, a long yeah long time at school. I mean, so you were doing the navigational rallies, the road rallies, as you describe. Yeah. When what was the next step from that? How did you move on from that? Ah, in fact, uh, so I started with road rally, and then uh, suddenly, uh, two years after, I had the opportunity to take part to my first official rally, which was not a speed rally. It, it was a regularity rally with vintage car. Uh, 
Mm -hmm. And at that time, uh, navigation was still quite difficult. And uh, this is my, my main point, my strong point. Uh, uh, now you have a lot of tools to, to do the, the regularity. Uh, at that time, they were not so much. It was only a, a, it's called a table. It's the conversation uh, to do the link between the distance and the time. And you have mm -hmm. to follow on the sheet. And with your, your, your clock, you're able to say if you are too early or too late. Uh, but it's, it's quite uh, easy to, to manage. But to, to really read uh, an old maps when roads are missing or some roads are blind or we have different kind of, of system, uh, I was really, really good. And uh, for my first rally, we finished second, quite close to the first. And all the top guys uh, were there. So it was really funny because I was only uh, 16 at that time. Oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> for a lot of big guys, uh, it was really disturbing because when you have a, a young guy coming from nowhere, nobody knows who you are. And it was really fun. And I remember uh, uh, I was really drunk at the end because... <laughs> They were really friendly with, with me at the end, uh, probably too much. Uh, they wanted to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll, you know, it, I, it's a very good memory. Yeah, and good, good success early on. And, and like yeah. you said, you know, when, when you started, when you were doing that, the, the tools that you had available weren't so much in comparison to now. So co-drivers doing that kind of thing now have access to, to more tools to help them. But you learned the hard way, let's say. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Old school spec. Uh, no, it, wa it was nice. I mean, my generation, we are a bit uh, in the middle, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we are really be between two. It's the end of the old school. And then it starts to have uh, GPS, I mean, uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of tools like a really small laptop in car uh, but the charm is a little bit gone when you have too much tool to do that job you are not anymore a co-driver you are much more uh, an accountant or something like that uh, yeah well you're kind of like a machine because you're using technology you're not using your brain maybe so much exactly. so it moved on from there then. You were successful and I'm sure a lot of people looked at you then after that success and thought, who is this guy? He's pretty good. <laughs> was that the case? I know, I remember talking to you and you told me about the article that was written about you, the Rising Star article. <laughs> was that about that time? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's exactly about that rally. Uh, I have still the book in my office. <laughs> it's Good, me. keep it. You need to keep that. Yeah, yeah. The title is uh, "A Star Is Born," and uh, it was uh, really, yeah, really funny that the journalist uh, had this idea uh, to write that title uh, because it was the same for him as well. He never mm. heard anything about me before. And uh, it's quite uh, unusual that somebody coming from nowhere uh, has the skill uh, to, to finish uh, on the podium and very close to, to the win on a really difficult event. 
So what happened after that? Were the, was the phone ringing? Was there lots of people chasing you then? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was 16 at that time, so I had still to wait uh, the age of, uh, of 18 to get the racing license to do some speed rally. So it was a, it was a good school, to be honest, because uh, on that kind of, of uh, regularity rally and, and road rally, uh, there were no electronic clock or something like that. So sometime when you arrive late or not coming from the right road, you have still the opportunity to negotiate sometime and to try to <laughs> deal with Marshall. And uh, no, but honestly, uh, I was uh, driving at that time with a guy who was uh, 60, between 60 and 65 years old, a lot of experience. He learned me how to get the time when you are late and something like that, or at mm. least to ask to the timekeeper, okay, it's, it's probably shocking what I'm saying um, because it's unfair, but when you are, when you are really on, uh, you have to try everything to, to win. And for sure now you, you cannot even try because mm. uh, all is connected uh, by a network, uh, with internet and uh, time is time and road is road and everybody is following uh, everybody else and you you cannot do anymore but uh, i'm sure even in the wrc there are a lot of stories uh, like that on only the the winning is nice <laughs> <laughs> there are so many stories it would be amazing if they were all true so you're waiting until 18 years of age to get your license to actually compete in rallies properly. What is going through your mind as a teenager then in terms of work? Because, you know, you needed to, if you were still in school, fine, but some people are, are working at that point. Did you think then that maybe you could pursue this professionally or was there still just the hobby thought in your mind? Uh, not yet. I remember at that time I, I was quite happy because... Uh, uh, I was taking part to, to rally uh, nearly each weekend or quite, quite often, I mean. But my idea at that time was to do um, logistics studies um, to become a, a coordinator in a, in a rally team. Mm. It was much more my idea to, to join the, yeah, the, the rally world. Um, yeah, it was the plan at that time. So tell me about the next steps then. Tell me about the 18-year-old who now has his license. What happens next? Yeah, I, I start to do uh, some speed rally. So, and for sure, I realized that it was uh, much more funny or at least much more exciting uh, due to the speed in the car. Mm. I mean, when you have the chance to drive with a fast driver, uh, with a good skill, even when the car is a is a small car or not so powerful, you can feel when you you reach the limit or when you are quite close to the limit. Uh, it's something really exciting, uh, bringing the adrenaline, and this is something I, I yeah I did the experience and uh, I realized that uh, I was uh, looking for that. Uh, it, it's really something I like, you know. Uh, if if you ask me if I do prefer to drive uh, with a slow driver in a in a fast car or with a fast driver with a smaller car, I will choose the fast driver with the smaller car because uh, I'm looking for the challenge uh, and uh, the adrenaline in the car. 
Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine that's the case. So when did that, you know, absolutely hit in terms of a driver that you had next to you that you thought, wow, this guy is, is incredible. Who was the first driver that really ignited that feeling in you? Uh, in fact, uh, so I started at 18 uh, with a with a guy from the I mean from the regional level, and then uh, I was following the Belgian champion in in Group N at that time called Xavier Bush, and um, I was following him uh, in the national championship. Uh, so at that time there were no internet yet, or it was only the beginning. So we were doing each checkpoint, uh, each stop point, sorry, checking the times. I was uh, writing the, the time of the, the orders on a small paper and giving it to the co-driver. And we were following the classification by ourselves, you know, and mm. uh, we, we were able to manage the gap between the orders. And um, at the end of the season, uh, we were organizing the our our home rally, a small rally with my dad and all the staff. And uh, I asked him to, to come to take part to the rally and he proposed me to be his co-driver. Mm. And it was on a Mitsubishi Evo 7 at that time. Uh, so compared to what I was used, uh, it was a quite impressive car. And then uh, I re we won the rally. Uh, so, oh well you know we won the rally then, just throw that in there wow <laughs> yeah yeah but I mean it was quite easy because the skill of the driver was higher than everybody else uh, it was a, a proper car he was national champion yeah we were driving a racing tire uh, and then in regional in regional rallies not everyone is driving racing tires some are using a uh, road legal tires so all in all uh, the package was really really good and i've been really really impressed and then i realized ah shit it's really what i like to do uh, i was uh, really disturbed it was like a hypercut in my face like uh, yeah it's mm. clear it's, yeah it's really cool <laughs> or at least uh, i wanted to do the the national championship the the whole season I remember because it was in, that rally was in December, and uh, I was looking for solution to take part to the national championship the year after, because uh, yeah, it was really impressive and uh, I liked a lot. So. And you you had been completely bitten by the bug then of rally. You knew that that is what you wanted to do above everything else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your parents obviously would realize that as well, that that is what you wanted to pursue. So were you looking at rally and trying to do the logistics thing at the same time? Or did you just uh, purely fact, concentrate I, I on was, rally? I was still at school. So, I mean, Belgium is a small country. Everything is quite close. Uh, the, the, the country is quite compact. So it doesn't take, I mean, so much time compared to a WRC season to, to take part. So yeah, I, I was still a student. I was still learning at school and uh, it was, I was able to manage both uh, for sure mm. uh, at that time, yeah. So you win this rally and mm. again, you know, your, your name is there 
as a, as a great co-driver at such a young age. And again, I ask the question, how many more people were then knocking on your door for you to sit alongside them? Was that the case or because you were still so young, were they not considering you? Yeah, I think they were not considering me because uh, I was still quite young. And uh, honestly, I was still really, really happy to navigate uh, older guy uh, to get the experience. Yeah. Uh, and I had the massive opportunity one year after, or one and a half year after, um, to get the chance. So by Bruno Thierry uh, in 2004, uh, he gave me the opportunity so to join him for his last season as a professional driver. It was with the Kronos team and uh, Citroën. It was on a Saxo and then the C2 Super 1600, the third season. It's, it's the year when uh, in uh, European Rally Championship uh, dropped back um, from WRC car yeah. to Group N and Super 1600 cars. And then uh, his navigator at that time was uh, Jean-Marc Fortin. Uh, <laughs> I remember Jean-Marc. Left to go to um, uh, the French guy. I don't remember. Uh, it doesn't matter. But, so uh, uh, Bruno had two options. Uh, yeah, choosing. Uh, I mean, an experienced guy only for one year, or to give the chance to to a young guy. And uh, I, I was on the market and. Uh, it was uh, it was nice for both because uh, we we became quite good friend with Bruno. Uh, it was it was still very good for me because uh, there were still many things for me to learn. Yeah. So it was really a very good school. Uh, we've done the nearly the World European uh, Championship and many events in Belgium. At the end, it was something like uh, fourteen seven uh, on the seasons. Wow. Or, it was all 12, I don't remember. It, it was really, really nice. And also impressive because uh, uh, Bruno won the year before. So we were using the number one everywhere. Uh, the car was red. Uh, the sponsor was a Bastos, uh, famous brand uh, from Belgium. So it, it was uh, really something, uh, something special. Uh, and I, I really learned a lot and for sure at that time there were still many things many things to, to learn and to mm. experience uh, I mean also doing some test sessions and uh, understanding the feedback uh, on the car when we were changing something like on the damping side uh, uh, Bruno is a, is a very good uh, test driver and very sensitive with all the, the setup so I really learned a lot. And uh, with the Kronos team, who was a team very professional and a team like a family as well. So it was really, really wonderful at that time. You know, you had such a, a lot of success at an early age and this incredible opportunity with, with Bruno Thierry. For a lot of people, they could have had quite a, a big head, <laughs> if you understand what I mean, at, at that point. But you, you have never struck me as that kind of person that, that would be, you know, look at me, this is what I'm doing right now. Was it, was it difficult to keep your feet on the ground, though? Um, honestly, not. I think not, because it's part of my character. 
Um, but but uh, at that time, uh, I told myself, yeah, now it's going to be easy after that season. Uh, all will be, you know, like uh, defined in advance. And uh, actually, it was not the case. Mm. So that that season was quite easy because when you are with a professional team, everything is organized. And uh, But it was after, between that time and meeting Thierry, uh, I had to do uh, something like f five, yeah, five seasons where it was difficult because uh, I had to, to find program or opportunities uh, here and there. It was still uh, interesting. Uh, I did some really good, uh, yeah, like uh, with Brian Bouffier in Rallye du Valais. Mm. or even in Belgium uh, with very fast driver like Kurt Ecters. Uh, um, but it, it was difficult at that time because, you know, I was like between two life or yeah. two, two. And uh, I really fight hard uh, to stay in the game, I mean. But when I explain the story, I always say I was like in a train station uh, sitting on a bench, but no train was coming. So I was ready. <laughs> I was ready, but there were no trains. So, okay, uh, life was like that. And uh, it actually, at the end, it was not a drama. It was an experience. Uh, and yeah, so. it, it kind of prepares you, doesn't it? It, it builds your character. It builds your, your patience in a way. So that the train you were waiting for, the, the TGV, was, yeah, yeah. was Thierry Neuville. <laughs> when, <laughs> when, did, when did that meeting happen? How, how were you introduced? Was it Bruno Thierry that introduced you? Um, in fact, uh, it's a very good idea. Uh, I was following him because he started driving uh, in, in Belgium. Uh, anyway, in Belgium, we know each other, you know, as soon mm -hmm. as you, you meet once, you, you are friends and uh, it's quite, quite easy because we were everywhere on the same rallies. Um, I was taking part to, to the championship with uh, another driver, uh, Alexandre Romain at that time, who, who was uh, quite fast. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I had to, to take a decision because uh, when uh, Thierry proposed me to, to join him in the, in the Peugeot S2000, I was involved with Alexandre Romain with a Citroën C4, which was an impressive car yeah. <laughs> to drive yeah. in Belgium with a, yeah. But uh, I'm quite happy with, uh, with the road I, I've chosen so far. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's like a dream. So when you first met Thierry, was there an instant connection? Did you did you get along well? Did you think I, you know, I could work with this guy? Actually, there were there were no reason to work with him at the beginning because uh, he, he was uh, working with uh, his best friend. Uh, they were working very well together. There were absolutely no reason to to change. And then, uh, if I remember well, uh, that guy decided to, to stop at the end of the second season. And Thierry started looking for, 
for yeah, somebody else. And uh, at that time, uh, on his shortlist, there were Nicola Klinger and myself. And uh, Thierry did two rallies with uh, Nico and two rallies with myself. And the four rallies went very well. So mm -hmm. he had to decide. Uh, he decided to, to go with uh, Nico Klinger. And uh, so they were competing together in 2010 uh, in Junior WRC. And uh, at the end of the season, they start again in 2011. And in Monte Carlo, they went off quite early. And uh, yeah, the, yeah, Thierry wanted to to take some decisions to to change few things around him and uh, also his co-driver and uh, yeah all in all we start discussing and uh, we decide to to work again together and it worked quite well because in uh, the first rally together it was uh, in uh, Canarias and uh, we were in the we were leading close to the end uh, but it was a big uh, big fight uh, and we finished on the podium third, mm. so it was quite good because the the gap was very close in the in the third in the the first recast, and then the second rally in Corsica we we won the rally. So I mean the result was uh, speaking by by itself. So yeah. it was really good. You had some incredible years as part of the IRC championship together some incredible wins and of course back with Kronos then as well yeah. and and Mark Van Dalen and that was such a great time with um the, the Peugeots and the Peugeots from different places so you had Peugeot UK Peugeot Belgium Peugeot Portugal such a, an incredible kind of lineup of people and the IRC was so competitive yeah, the, all the battles were really tight. Uh, in each country, you have always uh, local drivers who are really fast, who know very well the stages. Mm. Um, and uh, it was really, really intense. Uh, and it was really nice because the level was already quite professional. I mean, with Kronos, uh, Marc, Jean-Pierre, and all the mechanics, it was uh, really a, a dream team, uh, really professional, but always with a lovely atmosphere. Mm. Uh, also with the Adelaide from Peugeot, Belgium. Uh, no, it, it was really nice. Uh, and it was really a, a good school uh, from, for us, I mean, because uh, we were still learning a four-wheel drive car. Uh, discovering uh, new rallies, so it was a big challenge. At that time, uh, it was still three passes of Ricky, uh, passing from three passes to two passes during the season. So yeah, it, it, it was really a, a good step ahead uh, before the WRC. That we didn't know at that time. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, exactly. You didn't know at that time. But what was the feeling when you were competing in the IRC? Obviously, both of you wanted to be in the WRC. How did that start to happen? In fact, uh, if I remember well, at that time, the, the idea was, and it was always my, yeah, my engine is to go further, to always to move on and... Uh, I was not really uh, 
obsessed at that time by the WRC, but the idea is if you have the opportunity uh, to do only six rallies on a, on a championship of 10, if, if we can do eight or, or the full championship the year after, it's already a step. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, at the end of the season, um, uh, Thierry had the opportunity to, to do a test uh, with Citroën. And I remember at that time, I was uh, also in Africa with Jean-Pierre Mondron. Uh, we were taking part to East African Safari uh, together. Oh, brilliant. And, uh, I was, I mean, uh, involved, engaged from a long time ago. So it was impossible for me to, to cancel, to take part to that test. So Thierry did that test with uh, Coco Charoni as a co-driver. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it, the result was quite good, and they did a, a, a proposal to for us to to do ten rallies or eight rallies. I don't remember at the beginning because in Citroen they were giving already a first part, and then according to your result, they are able or not to increase or decrease uh, the number of rallies. Uh, so it was uh, it was really good uh, to have the opportunity, uh, mm. but it, it was also a big challenge. Honestly, uh, uh, I didn't really feel it at that time, but it's a, it was a big step uh, between the European uh, Championship and the WRC. But you know, when when you are inside, when you are involved, and uh, it doesn't matter actually uh, how big is the step. You, you are there to climb the stairs and uh, you know you will do it. Uh, yeah. But for sure, it was really difficult because also the rallies were longer. Uh, they were all new for, for us. So I remember Rally Argentina, um, they were uh, a stage on, on a Sunday, more than 60 Ks only to do once and uh, we were watching the <laughs> the Ricky on board footage in the in the room of Thierry we were falling asleep uh, one on another and it was really really hard uh, yeah yeah I can and imagine we it was... also to, to be honest that on that time there were no um, WRC plus so mm. for the new generation uh, it's quite easy, not quite easy, but it's more easy because they, they have tools around them. Mm. Uh, they can benefit of the experience of the, of the other driver, of the top driver. And it, it was not the case uh, for, for us. So it was much more, more difficult. When I spoke to Yamo Leitonen for this same podcast a few weeks ago, he said exactly what you have said, that the step up from competition where he was competing, and he had a lot of experience before coming into WRC, but the step up was such a big one and such a huge challenge, like you said. When you got into WRC, was there anyone there that was, was guiding you, that was, was helping you from a co-driving perspective? Um, you mean if I need somebody to help me uh, on well, the rally? Well, just, just to kind of guide you a little, you know, the older co-drivers maybe who had been there quite a while, was there anyone that, that took you under their wing and said, you know, we will look after you, we will make sure that you know exactly what you're doing and where you're going and everything? In, in the 
Honestly, I didn't have. But honestly, um, when I was with uh, Bruno Thierry uh, at my early age, uh, there were a former co-driver from Belgium called Georges Biard, who was the um, route not crew uh, of Bruno and Stéphane Prévost at that time. And uh, he was looking after me. And uh, for sure, I did some mistake or because when you discover, when you never done it before, uh, and you have to take decision. Uh, sometimes uh, it's quite difficult. Yeah, <laughs> take the, the wrong way. Not in the sea. I have a lot to say that now I think much more easy than in the past for sure. Much more compact. You have access to uh, much document in advance. So or the stuff you prepare home in advance uh, for sure we we are doing it so and when it's a new rally we have also the opportunity to take a little bit in advance uh, to go to check stage for sure uh, the access for example to, to the stage or to a regroup quite yeah. simple compared to the past okay um you move on from Citroen and the big year is calling where you have the potential full season with Qatar M Sport. Mm -hmm. But I, I remember the deal was you competed, but there wasn't a huge amount of money behind it for, for salary effectively. Mm -hmm. How did you deal with that? Because I vaguely remember you telling me you had to move back in with your parents. Uh the year after it was in 2013 uh, actually at the end of 2012 um, uh, Thierry was not happy with the proposal uh, from Citroen mm. for 2013 so he was absolutely taking part to, to more rallies and uh, so he started to discuss with Malcolm and, and M Sport and uh, actually found, found a, a way to take part to the whole season. And uh, at that time, uh, there were no salaries, so uh, I had to go back to my parents uh, to don't put too much pressure on my shoulder because uh, I was still working uh, here and there between the rallies, mm. uh, climbing up to pylons and to fit uh, mobile antennas and this kind of, this kind of things. Um, so yeah, I went back to parents' home. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, for anyone moving back in with their parents after they've moved out, is, is always going to be a bit of a, a weird one, isn't it? Especially when your friends maybe, are, you know, they're settling down, they're having families. What did it feel like for you personally to, to have to do that, to have to move back in with your parents? Uh, it, it was quite hard or at least several times during the year, it was disturbing me. Uh, uh, I was thinking alone, uh, is it the right decision? Is mm. it, uh, uh, but my, my inner voice was telling me to continue to push. And honestly, it was one of my favorite season because uh, uh, we really push like hell. Uh, okay, we, we did also some mistake, but we, we've been really competitive. Uh, I remember in Finland, uh, very close to Sebastian Ogier, uh, mm. who was driving Polo. Uh, 
no, really, really good memory. Also with the with the team, car always up, always top. Uh, each time we we broke it, they played always on time. Uh, uh, no, it. They were also a special atmosphere in sport, a little bit like in Chronos team. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a really, really good memory. Yeah, some fantastic memories, and of course, you know, very quickly after that, the the big step with Hyundai and a, a brand new team into the WRC, and you are the lead driver and co-driver there. That was an exciting period because it was all so new and no one knew what to expect. No one knew what the car was going to be like. What did it feel like for you guys? Uh, yeah, it's, it's been tough. Uh, I mean, starting from scratch. Mm. Um, the car was new and uh, uh, beginning was, I mean, really difficult because the team has to build everything like a process uh, to find the people, uh, to find material and uh, when the, the season, the rally season really starts, it's going flat out. Uh, you are traveling on the rally, testing and mm. uh, we did always the, the maximum. Um, Sometimes uh, some frustration, uh, I mean, not being able to to follow the the guy we were able to to follow the year before, so we knew it was the a part of the challenge, but uh, sometimes difficult to to accept and to to live with yeah i can I can imagine so, but you know things quickly turned around, and the car was competitive, you guys were competitive, the winds were coming, and there's been some terrific wins from you and Thierry you know I if I have to pick ones out in my mind that are my absolute favorites it's got to be Rally Sardinia where you beat Ogier I think was that by seven tenths of a second there seemed to be a lot of seven tenths of a second um there was obviously Elvin Evans in Argentina but that Ogier one that Rally Sardinia was an incredible final day I think everyone around the world if you were a fan of rally or not you couldn't help but focus on that day. Every stage was flat out. The risks yeah. you both were taking. It was it. What was that like, Nico? For you, but you know? already, already the already on the on the Saturday in Sardinia, we did an incredible uh, second pass in Montelerno. Uh, several times I asked to Thierry because we are used to discuss together. Uh, if I feel we are too quick. Uh, I'm telling him for sure, and uh, it it was good, but really really quick. And uh, I asked him many times, ah, "How are you? It's okay. Yeah, yeah, fine, fine." You were so quiet, <laughs> but also so so fast. And then we we closed nearly the gap uh, because we had the puncture a little bit early on the rally, and. Uh, I knew and he knew as well that uh, going to bed on the Saturday evening, uh, we're going to push to get the win on the Sunday. And we, we were really not sure because you are never sure, but you feel really confident sometimes, you know, yeah. like, like, I mean, uh, this Sunday in Monty, uh, when I woke up, when I crossed his eyes, 
and uh, when we watched the last time the the Ricky on board to prepare uh, for the last time the, the stages, we were yeah quite yeah quite confident, you know. Mm. And sometimes you you have that feeling, and you know uh, yeah it's really good. Is there a lot of like you you mentioned Thierry was a little bit quiet. Is, is there a lot of talking on days like that when everything rests on the final day, every stage is so important. Is there a lot of conversation between you both or do you just get on with the job, know what you have to do? Uh, honestly, uh, now it's part of our job. Uh, we are always discussing together uh, I mean, um, we are always analy analyzing all the data we can get, like uh, we get many pictures of the road uh, by, by weather crew uh, being at some spot because you have to optimize everything. You have to optimize your tire charge, the setting of the car. So for sure, we, we have to be as low as possible with the right height, but when it's too rough, you have to go a little bit higher. All, all that parameter, mm. we, you, you cannot wait and be sure. And no, it's so tight now. So we are always in touch with our engineer. Uh, we are always collecting data. Uh, we refer also with our own reference from previous year that we have with us. And we are always chatting together. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, chatting to be efficient, uh, not to be uh, So for sure, we are always uh, chatting, uh, <laughs> but to optimize everything. Tell me what it's like when you, you cross the final flying finish, you get to the stop control, especially in a huge battle, like it was in Sardinia, like it was in Argentina, and you realize that you have won. What does that feel like? I mean, we see your reaction. We see you on top of the car and Thierry's reactions are classic normally because he's so exuberant. But inside for you, what does that feel like? How satisfying is it? Sure, it's like uh, something uh, accomplished. Uh, like, uh, yeah, you did. You, you fight for it, but uh, it's not feeling uh, it really it's passion actually mm. and uh diffusing uh, like happiness inside and uh, we we are also looking for we are, we are driving for the, the adrenaline in the car what we get while driving but also the feeling that uh, we seek the victory but it's for sure for us but also for the team uh, for all the people for the technical staff uh, for the brand for yeah it's it's the cherry on the cake yeah it is absolutely when you look back then at, at what you've achieved in WRC which has been fantastic so far what would you pick out as the absolute highlight for you Nico what has been the absolute best bit for you um for me uh ah all, all the, the victory uh, for sure special, um, 
but I like a lot the last one in Monty because uh, it's really a special rally because uh, I didn't mention, but at the age of 18, uh, I got the opportunity to take part to the historical Monte Carlo mm. uh, in regularity. So, and uh, I say, okay, I'm at school. I have to miss the only opportunity to take part to that famous rally. So I decided to do it. It was a really nice experience. And uh, I did it six or seven times. So it's, it's the rally I know the most because <laughs> I did it uh, like uh, seven times in historic and, and 10 times in, in modern. So uh, it's, it's quite a lot. <laughs> It is, it is quite a lot. And finally, the massive victory this year, which was really special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really special because the rhythm is incredible when you have to cross the tire with slicks and studs and uh, it's always changing. I'm, I'm really impressed how the drivers are able to, to manage that combination of, of settings and tires and, and that speed and and the changes everywhere uh, about the road conditions. It's, uh, yeah. It, it's crazy. And of course, you know, for you as a co-driver, it is the busiest rally of the whole year with mm -hmm. changing your notes. And obviously the um, safety crew was slightly changed this year with Danny Sordo behind the wheel at the very last minute. Yeah. Yeah, it's all... Uh, yeah, it was also uh, one more difficulty uh, on this rally, but uh, luckily uh, Danny was there, uh, like he know very well the rally, and uh, he had the opportunity to take part to the to the Ricky as well. So yeah, we we took the decision, which was the I, I think the best decision mm. uh, to use him, but. Um, it was also difficult for him to do the correction in, in French, uh, to discover our system, also our, our level of request. Uh, it was difficult uh, at first. So luckily, Julien, Julien Vial, uh, who is the navigator, uh, was uh, really able to, to take him in chat and to <laughs> helping him to, yeah, to learn. and to yeah, to get the level. I asked him about it um, on this podcast a good few weeks ago now. And, you know, I said, brilliant that you were part of that and you were part of that win. And, and he said, yeah, you know, he said, I, I did enjoy it. It was really, really difficult. I said, would you ever do it again? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it is really hard work and it's, it's early mornings as well. And a lot of pressure on the safety crew to get it right for you guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's always it's always horrible. And uh, but luckily on the Sunday, um, Thierry had an idea of a tire choice. And uh, when he spoke to Danny, he said, oh, "For me, it's not a good idea. You have to take that package." And uh, we follow his advice, and we won. So it was <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> well done, Danny Sordo. So, Nico, the, the season is going to resume in September and it, it's been a very strange year for, for everyone around the world. There's not one person that hasn't been affected. What do you think it's going to be like when we get back into competition? Um, 
first of all, uh, <laughs> it's difficult to say because uh, I have no idea of Rally Estonia look like. I don't remember very well. Uh, we took part to Rally Estonia in 2012. 12. The 12, yeah. But it's far, far away in my memory. Uh, I have no idea of the... Um, the, the real or the new format of the rally it will be probably more compact i heard um i'm still waiting some more some more news uh but uh yeah we, i think we have to be flexible um and yeah to to react quite quickly to this new format or because you know year after year we are so used to to the rallies but now uh, we have to to accept and uh, to be ready to to change uh, to what will change actually yeah <laughs> i have no idea about that, but uh, yeah no just the problem the the more simple become the rally i mean the less difficult to the length of the stages or uh, the more intense will be the battle and the closest will be the gap as well so yeah that's we'll right see. it's gonna be for sure it's gonna be very intense uh, i get the feeling i i think it's gonna be great for us to to commentate on and to watch but for you guys it's gonna be full focus and full intensity T tell me a little bit before i let you go tell me a little bit about home life because you became a father a good few years yeah. ago now and how is all of that going with your little one yeah it's going well uh she got uh, four years old uh, on oh, the 4th wow. of july um honestly uh i took the time because i had the opportunity to share uh, quality time with with her um take the time to play with with many stuff that i i didn't do it before yeah. So there are not only negative points to, to that lockdown. Uh, they were also quite a lot positive uh, for me at least. So yeah, it, it was good and I really cannot complain about my life. And obviously, Nico, you've been doing the housework. You've been cooking. Yes? Yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are like you a cook? cook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to cook. But what is... What is nice when you are cooking is to share with friends or family and when when you are not able to share it, missing something. Yeah, no, you're true. You're so right. Sharing with everyone else is, is the joy of it all, I think. Nico, it's been really lovely chatting to you. I'm really looking forward to seeing you properly in the flesh again when we get to Rally Estonia. So take care of yourself. Make sure you prepare well because we're looking forward to this incredible battle that's coming up. I will do. Thank see you very you. much, Bye -bye. Nico. Cheers. Okay, thank you. I'll see you again see. soon. Bye, Bye, Nico. Bye. Thank you. For more great WRC content, head to WRC Plus. For thousands of hours of archive footage, from end of season reviews and onboards, to features on some of the legends of WRC. That is WRCplus.com, the home of WRC action.